When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth, the Fountain of Truth about aging. And today we're going to uncover not a very nice truth. I'm going to go straight ahead. It's a very ugly truth. And it's the truth about elder abuse. And that is just a word. If we say child abuse, we have certain things in our mind. If we say elder abuse, we wonder exactly what does that mean? Well, today we're going to reveal some of that with Dr. Robin Fenley. Uh, She's an adjunct professor at CUNY over at the Silverman School of Social Work. She's also the former assistant commissioner uh, for the New York City Department for the Aging. And she's also going to tell us, because she's one of the head honchos, when it comes to revealing what elder abuse is, because a couple of days ago, on June 15th, we had an event, the International Network for the Prevention of Elder Abuse, INPEA.org, you can look them up, founded the first World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. Now, it happened to have been in 2006, It's many, many, many years later, and we still have to do it. And I guess the goal, uh, uh, Dr. Fenley, right now is to not have to do it. This is one of those events you don't want to happen every year. Correct. But but let's go over a little bit. You did actually have a very big day. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about the event itself, and then we're going to talk a lot more about why it's so necessary. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you for the invitation and for this opportunity, because every opportunity um, to get the word out about elder abuse is is valued, because, as you said, this is not something that uh, people think about, people hear about, even recognize both what that it's happening or to someone else or even to themselves. So this is an opportunity to really provide um, the education, the awareness for people to recognize when things are not quite right uh, and what you can do about it. And so this event, uh, the um, it's the World Elder Abuse Awareness Day, uh, as you mentioned, was just tremendous. It was so invigorating um, with representatives from around the globe um, talking about elder abuse, because elder abuse is not something that happens in one pocket of the world and not the rest. It is Sadly, it is global. doesn't matter where you live, who you are, what kind of money you have, what language you speak. Elder abuse, unfortunately, is pervasive. So now, there are the- categories. There are categories of elder abuse. And I yes. think that we need to list them so that people can become more aware when they see it. Because Absolutely. we're not always talking about physical, although physical is involved. So give us some mm-hmm. of those categories so that our awareness, our antennas are up. Sure, sure. So physical, as you said, that's the one that people mostly think of, you know, the bruises, etc. But it could also be like the grabbing that happens physically. It could also be a sexual abuse. And you don't think of sexual abuse as um, physical, but I mean, obviously it is because it is this unwanted uh, contact, uninvited contact. Same like with physical. Uh, But there's also psychological abuse, uh, which is verbal, it's emotional. And again, the intent of that is to inflict some kind of 
mental pain or anguish or distress and and what basically that is control and the, and sort of control is a key word with elder abuse because it's all about control one person in a trusted relationship exerting undue control or influence over another um, so that we have also the intimidation that comes under psychological abuse there is people are becoming more aware of financial exploitation this is something I have to say I even got um, on Tuesday I got an email from my bank making me be aware of potential um, scams financial scams that's tremendous somebody has been educating the bankers about this uh, so the financial explanation uh, exploitation once again it's improper use of the older person's money of their property or their assets and oftentimes it's like uh, coercing it's it's uh, undue influence coercing them to hand over their money or their property etc um, and there's also neglect um, and when you think, these are like the general categories. Um, when you think of neglect, this usually implies that there is the person who is on the receiving end of this abuse uh, is there's a vulnerability, there is a care dependency, um, you know, that, that colors this relationship. And sometimes uh, the caregivers, um, whether they're family caregivers, aid caregivers, um, it would be an omission, you know, they, they would forget to give the, the medication, they would, you know, no, you don't need to go to the doctor's visit today, you know, we'll go another day. Um, that sort of, there's, there's, that's called more of a passive neglect, where the person, the caregiver, doesn't quite understand the importance of making sure the meds are given routinely, that the doctor visits are, um, you know, followed up as scheduled. But then there's also an active neglect where it is intentional. Um, and there is just um, a complete disregard of failure to, um, or refusal to provide things like food or, um, you know, again, we're talking about going to the healthcare, kind of like an abandonment issue. So these are, these are general, the, the general categories of abuse that uh, we all need to be aware of. One of the issues, if I may, um, is that this is about educating not only the providers, and I'm, and I'm thinking about the health providers, the social service providers, as I just said, the banking providers, anybody who has comes into contact with older persons. It is important to recognize that there is something, just might be something awry. You know, maybe the older person might not be making eye contact. Um, maybe they don't speak, uh, or if they start to speak, the person they're with uh, quietly, you know, shushes them and speaks for them. Those should be sort of, uh, the antenna should begin to uh, rise and, 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 and to advocate then on behalf of the older person to let the older person speak for themselves. If there comes to be this continual shushing, then you can be sure there is, we're well, fairly sure that there is something that is not right. Something behind the scenes. Now, we exactly. will talk about self-empowerment for older adults so that they speak up for themselves. We'll talk about if you see something, say something. But I'm going to get on my soapbox. I'm entitled to that once in every show, Dr. Fenley, and that is for the passive abuser. Mm -hmm. uh, I often think that I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. And I want to explain to everybody that their consciousness must be raised. There was a wonderful gerontologist friend of mine, and uh, she said, uh, an older person is like a potato chip. Mm 
they look good, but they can break very easily. Mm. And if you love somebody, you may not see them breaking. Therefore, you may be neglecting them without knowing it. You've got, particularly for a family member that you see only during the holiday season and the year goes by and you're seeing them briefly. The fact is that taking the right medications, going to the doctors, doing what the doctor tells you, uh, insisting on your own healthcare advocacy may be something that an older person can no longer do, and you don't see that. Mm-hmm. And by not keeping up with their needs, you are engaged in passive abuse. And the more people that see that, the healthier we'll all be. But I also want to add something to your list. Uh, loneliness. Loneliness now we know from our geroscience organization is actually a killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, lack of socialization and loneliness is up there with smoking in how many years you lose from your life if you do not have contact with other human beings. Right. And this is what happens very frequently with an older adult in terms of that kind of passive neglect. Mm-hmm. We tend to feel we have nothing in common with an older person. What are we going to talk to them about? Um, it's a, it's an obligation, not a privilege to speak with them. And that is cultural. Mm-hmm. And if we can cut through some of that, we get a whole different way of growing older, but not only for the older people there today, but for ourselves. So when we come back, we do want to talk about, though, a little bit more of the more aggressive abuse, the fraudulent abuse, the uh, the physical abuse, and the sexual abuse. If you see something, say something, but to who? When we come back, we have an expert here, Dr. Robin Fenley. She is a professor, an adjunct professor at Silverman School of Social Work. She was one of the head leaders of the recent um, world uh, event on Elder Abuse Awareness Day and the former commissioner, assistant commissioner uh, uh, for in New York City for the Department of Aging. So we have somebody who knows who's, who's been in the epicenter of what's going on with this. And the only negative thing I can say is they've had to have this event since 2006. It's too long. We'll be right back. See what we can do so that maybe next year we don't need the event. Don't you go anywhere. Now you see how it goes. That's okay. Great. So um, yeah. you raised you raised two points. Would I will I be able to address them in the next? Sure, second? absolutely. And that, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. what I that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to say I raised two points. Yes. No, I don't want to talk about what you want. I want to talk about what I want. So that's what we're going to do. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate. For my age, da 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 da, da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit, cause I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth. I usually do a little housekeeping right now, so I want to send you to our website, which is adrianberg, A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G.com. There you can contact me if you have topics or speakers, guests that you would like me to contact. This is your show, not my show. And the second thing you can do is you can get free tickets. We're doing a four-day extravaganza, virtual and free, in October. 
uh, and it is October 11th through the 14th, and it is all about diseases of aging, how to stop them, how to intervene in your own frailty and aging process. These are all the things that empower us, because if we have good health and good cognition, we're able to speak up for ourselves. Uh, and I'm going to throw this back right now to our guest, Robin Fenley, who um, is telling us all about the event the um, that it was really a, a, an international event through the United Nations. According to WHO, World Health Organization, one of six people over the age of 60 suffers from abuse of one kind. Now, that's 141 million people. I'm just going to give you in perspective here. There are 78 million baby boomers in the United States. That means every single baby boomer doubled in the United States if you look at it worldwide, is a victim of abuse. This is an epidemic. So let's go back. I, I know, Robin, that I wanted uh, to speak a little bit about what you can do when you when you know about a more physical or aggressive abuse. And you said, yeah, but you said a couple of things I really want to address. So mm-hmm. go right ahead. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. Thank you. And and even just now, you said yet another thing. So you've oh, got all the information. Go. It's awesome. Um, so when we were talking about um, neglect and talking about passive neglect, um, uh, you know, a uh, family member and the care receiver, one of the things that is so connected is the importance of having supports for the caregivers. Because just as you said, you may be just pulled in a thousand different directions. Actually, people usually are in a thousand different directions. And that importance of getting, you know, the recognition of getting the medication slips your mind. It is just so important for caregivers to have supports. Um, There are data that are out there that actually um, indicate that that report that the uh, risk of abuse increases for those caregivers who um, are providing the care without any kind of support. And certainly we saw this in COVID where people were, you know, just locked in their houses, literally. And the supports that usually would even be there were not. And so we've also had um, anecdotal and there are data that are being collected now to show the the increase, a significant increase in um, abuse during this whole lockdown time. So I I just want to say how important it is for caregivers to know that there is help that's out there to provide the support. Nobody's taken away your responsibility, you know, and that you want to provide the care for you. But we all need a break. And that's exactly what that's about, just a little bit of a respite. The other thing that you had mentioned was, you know, like, you know, uh, the loneliness and, you know, just the importance speaking with each other, you know, and and talking certainly with the older adult. And sometimes, you know, it's like, well, what do I really have to say to this older person? You know, that just really touched on the whole um, entrenched um, ageism that we have in our society, that the notion that when people are old and define old these days, you know, old old is like it's it's a very, uh, you know, uh, uh, elastic age. Um, uh, but there is, you know, there is the presumption that once somebody gets to be a certain age and or uh, inability, in incapability, uh, that there is nothing more that they have to give or to offer or to hear. And that is, this is all of us. This is all, you know, it, this is like sort of um, entrenched ageism in, in, in the global society. And so, so you are a thousand percent right. 
go out and speak to your older person because you never know what you'll what will come from that. Well, let me tell you, I I am a big fighter against ageism, but mm -hmm. uh, we have to get rid of it within ourselves. It's only it's the only yes. prejudice that we hold against ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, Every time somebody says, and I think it all the time, "You look good for your age," that's already ageism. Right. Uh, if I said to somebody, "You look good for somebody from Brooklyn," I'd get punched. So, <laughs> because what's the implication that people right. from Brooklyn don't generally look good? That's well, right. uh, we, so we have to erase all of that. But on a, on a very serious note here, mm -hmm. uh, first of all, older adults are very interesting, and if you're younger, we're probably more interesting than you, and that, that's a problem <laughs> because we we have our own hubris too. But there are mm -hmm. some wonderful, wonderful uh, phot photography. Uh, we're uh, right now, Dr. Uh, Ken Dykewald, who I'm sure you know, mm -hmm. he's one of the speakers mm -hmm. at our conference. He's he's doing something called Legacy, where mm -hmm. he speaks to leaders in aging. Uh, even even the Trump administration had a podcast there. The Department of Aging had a podcast that was featuring wonderful older adults living incredible lives. So this is all around us now. The yeah. fact is, though, we, we have to we have to look at. Uh, one issue, and that is most, many, many older adults, particularly the old, old, are still from what they called the silent generation or the greatest generation, and they just don't speak up for themselves. So uh, a couple of places you can go for help if you're a caregiver or an older adult that is trying to be heard. One is uh, the fact that we have what's called areas on aging. That's from the federal government. They are supposed to be, some are better than others, navigator systems mm -hmm. for your entitlements and even to, to talk about abuse. And those are, that's called N4A.gov. You'll have all of this on my, on my um, next uh, blog. You can also go to your state organization on aging. They usually call the Department for Aging. The New York City, as Dr. Fenley was assistant commissioner, has a Department for Aging. Uh, most places do. If they, if you don't have a city department for the aging or a town, you'll have a county department for the aging. This should navigate help for respite for caregivers. It's also care for the caregiver, big organization in New York, and share the care. Now, I can't go on and on, but I do have a, a big long list, which I will post on our blog on our uh, adrianberg.com. This is for caregivers. So this is this is a very very big issue, but I want to talk for one minute before I reveal what I meant when I said that I was a passive abuser because this is the fountain of truth and I tell the truth about my own self. I don't mm -hmm. expose mm -hmm. anyone else. But before I do that, let's talk about that different kind of abuse. If you do see or know of, whether it's in an assisted living community, in your own home, if it's in a hospital. Uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, or sexual abuse. These are crimes. Mm -hmm. fraud, fraud against the elderly, or anyone actually, is a crime. What would you recommend? What, what can we do as a good citizen or a good family member? You made an excellent distinction between the crimes that uh, have legal basis and those that do not. Um, and so when there is that legal basis, because obviously there's going to have to be, um, you know, investigation, et cetera, um, certainly it could be um, to call the police. But I have to tell you, a lot, you know, like if you suspect, um, you know, financial, you know, money being siphoned out of the account, et cetera. But I have to say, people are just so very afraid 
um, to report that. So to, to the police, because it's almost like when you go to the police, it's like no turning back in some instances. Um, and so I actually would recommend calling your local city agency or the social worker. You could start if you're in the hospital, start with the social worker in the hospital, uh, because they would be um, connected to the providers in the community that would be able to help to get a little bit more information. This is not minimizing. This is not disputing that what has happened uh, did or did not happen. But it's just to kind of get a bigger picture to be able to present if in fact it has to go to the police to you know a legal system then you have more information because you know just as we're talking again the ageism right you don't want to say oh you know here's somebody i i they're they're taking my money well you know what you may be viewed right away as an an older person who is not really a trustworthy you know uh, respondent yep. etc mm -hmm. so you want to get all of the facts in place so i would suggest going to you know again your a local social service provider um, you know, in uh, New York, actually it's around the uh, country, there's Adult Protective Services. That's an excellent start. Now, the thing with Adult Protective Services, though, is they are not, they are really there for people who do not have uh, a family member willing and able to help. However, they could even be your um, you know, the one to give you the avenue of direction. So just when you were saying before uh, the N4A, there, there is something that they run called the Elder Care Locator. For caregivers, this is an excellent resource. Uh, they would be able to then, the Elder Care uh, Locator folks would be able to, to point you in the right direction of where to go to get more information to just uh, lay out the facts. So that is really what what you would need to do. That's that would really be what I would recommend. Um, and 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 it is also about family, family not being afraid to make that call, but also the older adult not being afraid to make that call. To make that call. So uh, as I promised everybody on AdrianBerg.com, we will post an article which I frankly wrote quite a while ago. Uh, it does have the locator and it has some really good places where you can get private and public advice. If you see something, say something. Now, when we come back, I want to talk about how serious this situation really is, as well as show you why I have a real personal need for everybody out there with an older loved one to understand the nuances of what passive abuse is all about, because we can fall into a trap and cause regret that we'll never get over. Don't you go anywhere. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth about aging. You know that I'm the executive director of the Catalyst Institute for the Delay and Prevention of Age-Related Diseases. We just did an incredible webcast. It is free. We did it last week. We had about 300 people, but usually we get about six or 7,000 people viewing our webcast on YouTube. So just go to the institute, K-I-T-A-L-Y-S dot org. 
And you can take a look at our latest webcast, which was on mitochondria or cell health. We talked about what it is, what you could do. Geroscientists actually said what they do to strengthen their own cell health. One of them is exercise. Don't groan. But there's more. And the second day, are you ready for this? Mitochondria in space. You can't make this up because NASA is doing so much research on their astronauts and how they are increasing their cell health for space expeditions that it's trickling down to the rest of us. So that's just one of the things. A couple of weeks ago, we did the Dog Aging Project, and we invited you to have your dog be part of all of uh, what we now call community research on longevity. So take a look at catalyst.org. Okay. So I promised a couple of things. I want to do it very quickly before we get back to um, our guest, uh, Dr. Robert Fenley, on elder abuse. Number one, many years ago, there was a little girl. Her name was Lisa. And uh, she was actually killed because of child abuse. And an organization began named Lisa. But it stood for Let Intervention Stop Abuse. Uh, And we were all part of it. It was many, many decades ago. It was very famous in New York City. And it was the beginning of the recognition and awareness of child abuse. Pretty soon, there was a hotline where anonymous tips could be given about this. There is no such thing except intermittently with elder abuse. We really are behind the curve when it comes to this, which can be a crime. So I did want you to understand that awareness is the key here because we're not doing that well in this field. Let's just understand that. Second thing, I promised that I would reveal what I meant by passive elder abuse in my home. Why? Because I feel it's my obligation to make you aware of what you might be doing without ever intending to harm anybody. Two very quick things. My mom had a pacemaker. There was one doctor who said, oh, you know, she needs a tune-up, but it could wait about two, three weeks. Another one said, nope, got to take care of it right away. But I believe the one who said it was no big deal. And so we did let it go for that period. Now, remember, we were taking care of the doctor on a very, very regular basis. I even give my husband more credit than me. But when one professional says it's no big deal, you tend to listen to it's no big deal. But the second thing, and it was the worst thing, and you're probably doing it, particularly if you love your elder, I never saw her decline. I wanted her to be so strong. I wanted her to be so able that I really never recognized that she was just a tough old bird who refused to get help. And so I did not make concerted efforts. I made some efforts, but not concerted efforts for her not to be living on her own. And I did her in. And I'll never, never, ever forgive myself. And neither will you if you don't do the right thing. So what am I going to tell you to do? Keep your eyes open. And believe it or not, try to be a little more objective. My subjectivity did not allow, and my love did not allow me to see the decline. And I suspect that my kids are going to be very similar to that. So I'm going to turn the tables. Usually we think of somebody who's neglectful as being somebody who doesn't care, somebody who's is venal. Could be somebody who's just so close that they don't see. So now we will get back to you, Robin, with the fact that this issue, particularly the ones of elder rights, is an international. We can't point the finger just at the U.S. at mm-hmm. all. Uh, and you're trying to do something about it. Explain explain what a convention is and what you're trying to do. Sure. Um, it, it all comes down to or starts with 
human rights. We all, uh, as just by virtue of living in bodies, um, are entitled to, oh my goodness, the uh, to the rights of life, liberty, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. But the UN had cataloged, oh, it's got to be 70 some rights, you know, uh, to work, uh, to be educated, etc. You know, I mean, just to live your life, right? Um, and when it comes to older adults, because of a host of, of um, oh, what do you call it? I, I, am, I guess it is, here you go, we're talking about the structural ageism. And yeah, the, and I call it ageism. Yeah. yeah, just the whole disregard. Um, there is this lack of, a, con, a concerted lack of effort to support uh, older adults when it comes to their rights. So specifically now, the theme of the conference this year was access to justice. And uh, the ambassador from Argentina started it, kicked off this uh, event with, he was so profound, just in saying in 1948, the UN realized that there were certain groups women, children, the disabled that were singled out for coverage. And, and he said, what is it that was so, what did they have in common? And what was in common was that they were vulnerable and that there was structural discrimination that was not supporting their rights. And at that point he was saying, their, and their inability to lack, uh, to access justice on their own. And so then it created a cultural shift within the UN that led to something called international conventions, which protect the rights. Now, conventions uh, actually is, um, it's like a law. It's, it's, an, it's a, a legally binding instrument that provides the states and not just the United States. When you talk states uh, globally, it's, you know, the countries and the states within the countries. Um, it provides them with the guidance of how to ensure access to whatever the particular thing is. And in this case, we're talking human rights and the access to justice. And it was his perspective that it was time, and to your point, Adrian, it is time now to shift again to look at older adults and the vulnerability of older adults because of the entrenched world structures that that just do not view older adults as um, rights bearers. And so... What I, I, and I have to say, I've been so, when I started doing this, I was shocked. I, you know, we live in the United States. We figured the United States is very forward thinking, et cetera, right? Not at all when it comes to this. The United States is one of the countries, there's not a lot that have signed on to a convention for the rights of older adults, but the United States is one that has not signed on. And the concern is when there is a legally binding instrument, what is that going to mean in the implementation of it? And no doubt it comes down to the dollars. What is it gonna to cost to protect the older adults, right? So- Yes, so. enforcement becomes the issue. Correct. It's more complicated, but enforcement is certainly one of them. Absolutely, absolutely. And so the, so the point is this conference and Everything else that I've been involved in with the UN is is all working towards uh, this convention, getting this convention, this legally binding instrument to protect older adults, um, and 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 it's about advocacy, advocacy at all levels, and certainly starting with the older adults themselves. Older adults don't think, for the most part, um, you know, when you think of like the older old, for instance. 
you know, they they came from a time where, um, you know, this is where I have to go. Okay, this is what I do. Very right. compliant for the most part. Very right? compliant. They listen. They right. do. They right. listen and obey. Except for my mother. She didn't <laughs> obey. <laughs> Except for everybody's mother. Yeah. Otherwise, everybody. Right? <laughs> well, I know. I have to tell you, uh, uh, Robin, I once did a webcast called Why Won't Mama Listen to Me? Mm-hmm. And it was the number one. I I never had so many people come, come to something. <laughs> they all know about it. Now, when we come back, uh, it, it's going to be our final segment. We're going to make sure that all of you know what your next steps are and that you have this aware, awareness. And don't you guys go anywhere. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate. For my age, da 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 da, da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit, cause I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth. A bit of housekeeping here. Uh, we are having our big conference called Metabesity 2021. It will be free, and it will be virtual. And uh, it's over four days. I don't expect you to be there the whole time, but you certainly can register. And you register now. We are open for registration, and it would be very helpful to me. If you would go and register, it is free and there's no obligation. You do that by going to the conference website, which I, I don't mention enough, I don't think. It's called Metabesity, M-E-T-A-B-E-S-I-T-Y dot com. Uh, Metabesity 2021.com, 2021.com. Metabesity is a word that was coined by our chairman and um, who's a geroscientist, and, and it, it's accepted by geroscientists. People don't know what it means, but what it means is the common causes of aging. It's all the reasons, like inflammation, that we do know what it means, and immune system, and genetics, and epigenetics, all these things that make us age. So uh, we call it targeting Metabesity 2021, but the conference website is metabesity2021.com, and you can register for free. Uh, now, now let's get back we, to Robin Fenley, who is telling us all about and has worked very hard with the United Nations on the International Awareness Day for Elder Abuse, which took place a few days ago, it was very successful. But you really don't want such a, an event to begin with if you can help it. And we, right now we're not helping it. We are trying to have a convention that would assert the rights of elders uh, and empower elders to assert their own rights in many ways. But I do want to get back to uh, a couple of the issues here. First of all, you can help. I'm a member of the uh, NGO on Aging of the UN. We do a lot of good work. I'm on the communications committee, but there are many committees. It costs $35 for the whole year to be a member. This is no big deal. Go ahead and look, uh, look it up at the NGO Committee on Aging. And, of course, you'll find it in my next post Uh, on adrianberg.com as part of the list of things you should know about if you're interested in fighting elder abuse or you see it around you. But I do want to get back, uh, Robin, to the family issue. Uh, So many years ago, I wrote a paper when I was in law school on the jurisdiction of the family court. And what happened there was that uh, people who weren't married didn't have, couldn't go to the family court. 
if they were abused, physically abused, because you had to be a married couple. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that it should be for any family member. And they did change the jurisdiction. And guess what? Nobody went anyway. And I'll tell you why. Because family members don't rat on other family members. And they're afraid of them. Right. They're afraid that if they go to court, it'll get worse when they go home. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this, is, this is a terrible thing. But I think it's probably also the case. And the same with the nursing homes, which you can't now go on a, on a national highway without seeing a big sign. If you or a loved one are the victim of elder abuse from a nursing home, call this lawyer. So are, are we going in the right direction? Do you see a movement? How hopeful are you with regard to all of these things that impact on our awareness of elder abuse? Definitely always hopeful. I mean, you know, even when it looks like, you know, the hill to climb is enormous, always hopeful. Because for one thing, when you look at the number of older adults that are coming down the pike, um, this is not a quiet group that's coming here. No. And, <laughs> generation bold, B-O-L-D, oh. not generation old or gold, generation well bold. Right. Well said. Yeah, so, and, and this is a group also that is used to speaking up and has raised their children to speak up. And I think it really is about advocacy. Um, you know, so just even as you're saying, you know, you you saw the change where family is now able or non-family uh, are able to come into the non-spouse is able to come into court. You know, things have changed. It is about advocacy. It is it is relentless sometimes. It is it is, you know, beat your head against the wall relentlessness, but it is absolutely necessary. And I think that is exactly what's gonna make the difference. And when I see, you know, when I participate in, in these um, global events and I see Adrian, the exact same things that I saw when I was working elder abuse here in New York is happening in Serbia. This is, and and is happening in Africa, happening in Australia, happening everywhere. This just says this absolutely is a global thing that requires continued education and advocacy. That is, to me, that's the answer. That is the continued answer. Yes, and a a huge, huge psychological shift for all of us in almost every culture. I know that we like to say that Japan is different or the Hispanic communities are closer. Let me tell you, it's all disintegrating. And we're all in the same boat. And we do have, I, I, I don't know if I like even the phrase, but the silver tsunami is really here. And it's mm-hmm. really in, in every single country. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I do think I do think that we, meaning the baby boomer generation, has a psychological shift. We are different. We, we are much more used to self-advocacy. Mm-hmm. But there are two things here. One, particularly when it comes to the medical neglect, uh, the system is very hard to navigate. Mm-hmm. And I have not seen any country come up with a really great healthcare system. Maybe we can't have one. We have to just keep working on it perpetually. Mm-hmm. But that that's one issue. Uh, so navigating all of the resources. When I look at the U.S., one of the reasons I think the U.S. says, oh, we don't want to get involved with the convention is we think we've done it. We think we have all the laws that we need. Mm-hmm. And we probably do. What we don't have is the implementation. It's really, really difficult to take the law and have it applied. So that's one one big thing that we can advocate here, even, even in the U.S. In other countries, they may not even have the law to begin with. 
but it's all one piece. The laws, the laws itself are not enough. Even awareness is not enough because as a family member, if we're aware, we have to do something about it and we have to navigate a complicated system. Mm-hmm. So where I think we, I'll be honest, where I'm putting my efforts is in empowering the older person themselves. Yes. To do it for themselves. And uh, and part of that to me is to stay healthy and cognitively fit. So I work on that side of the arena. But I, I do want to go back to one last thing that you do that we didn't mention too much. And that is that you're a professor. You're teaching people. Yep. What are you seeing in the new generation? Let's finish here in, in a very hopeful way in the new generation of folks in the social services that might have been a little bit different, let's say in your day and certainly in my day. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like certainly in New York city with the diversity that's here, there is far more awareness and respect of the diversity of the individuals that they will be working as students moving forward. Um, This is a a population, the students that I've seen, that wants to help. Personally, what I want to see is them to not only help the person, but to understand the responsibility to go broader and do the the, uh, political piece, to do the advocacy so that the systems will change and so that they don't keep giving their person only four hours of home care because that's what the insurance pays for, but rather to go back and to help raise the awareness. And again, it's empowerment. You are talking exactly about empowerment of, of the older adult, of the family members, of the students and the professionals, of all of us to recognize there's got to be that political will. There's got to be that advocacy the, the uh, to to say this is what we need and this is how we will get it you know so that's so that there is a real hunger a real thirst to serve which to me I you know I think is is really great but you're right it is one piece of the picture they've got to go beyond so you're good you're right you are you are right on on target so we uh, we can't solve all the issues but we can be aware of them. And yes. that's really what we've been able to do today and through your event that you had, the International Day for Elder Abuse Awareness is so important. And we are going to continue to do that. And now that COVID is lifting a little bit and they have different states have said we're okay, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can say what I always, I can end. I can thank you, uh, Robin Fentley, Dr. Fentley, and for everybody else, all my listeners, get out there, kids, and make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> 